0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Hey, all right. Hey, some of you might have been shopping in stores and seeing Christmas displays already. I'm not talking about Hobby Lobby, which seems to always have Christmas stuff out all year round. I'm talking big stores, big box stores, and if you haven't seen it yet, you will soon begin seeing those Christmas decorations coming out even before Halloween, even in September, if you can believe it. No doubt this will bring up Christmas shopping lists, maybe things that your kids want or things that you want, and perhaps you're thinking about those things now. Stop it. Uh, Make sure that you're paying attention to the sermon. But most of the things that we have on our shopping list, the things that we want, the things that we think we need, we really don't need. I would venture to guess that probably 99% of the stuff or more we don't really need. But as we continue uh, the sermon series of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we're here at this passage in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 14, which we got to read a little bit earlier. To ask, seek, and knock. And uh, the first part of the sermon will focus on 7 through 12, and then the last part will focus on verses 13 through 14. Now, this particular passage is where some in the Christian faith uh, take this passage and they uh, use it to promote a health and wealth gospel or a prosperity gospel, meaning, you know, you give to God and God is going to give to you. You know, you give and, and, and you're going to receive big things from God. And I'm not here to preach about that, nor do I think this particular scripture passage supports such an idea. But as we get into uh, verses 13 through 14, I think we need to be challenged and make a set, an assessment of ourselves. Of what road we're on right now. So let's read together Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 12. It'll be up on the screen. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who, rec- uh, the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which one of you, if your son asks for some bread, gives him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you, then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give give good gifts uh, to those who ask? So in everything, do unto others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law Of the prophets. Now, Jesus gives us orders: ask, seek, and knock, but these are all petitions, these are all going to God uh, and making a request, going and seeking out God. Jesus tells us in verse 9 through 12, He sets them up here with an analogy. He he asks them two questions. Which of you who has a son and they ask? for some bread, would give them a stone? And what if they ask for a fish and you give them a snake? The answer to this question is, nobody would. It's ridiculous. Nobody would do that. Why would anybody give someone a stone if they ask for bread? It doesn't even make sense. Well, why would I give somebody a snake too if they ask for a fish? Again, No one would. But this is a common common commodity, bread and fish. We see it in the Bible. We see that Jesus in uh, Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 4, when he was being tempted, Satan came to him and he said, look, why don't you call out to these stones and turn them into bread? And Jesus says, you know, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord, referencing Deuteronomy chapter 8, we see that Jesus, when he was speaking to the crowds, he turned bread into more bread, fish into more fish. Jesus is using something that is very familiar to drive home a point. He's saying, look, who of you whose son asks for a fish, you're going to give him a snake? You see, Jesus has him on a hook. That's for you, Dave O'Dell. And since the audience would come to this natural conclusion that, of course, nobody would do this. Nobody would give their son a stone or a snake when they asked for a bread and fish. And he says, for those of you who are evil, even you know how to give good gifts to your kids. What do you think God's going to do for you? He sets them up. God gives good gifts because this is what you can expect from God. Treat others the way you would want to be treated. However, this does not say that you will get everything that you ask for. Think about that Christmas list you had in your head. And if you're still writing things down, stop it. Okay, But think about those Christmases of the past. Not everything you asked for you got. Sometimes God's the same way. He's not going to give you for everything you ask, but he will give you everything that you need. Again, and this passage is built on another truth that Jesus gives earlier on in the Sermon Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus is talking to the people and they're worrying about things and stuff, he says in chapter 6, 25 through 34, he says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is life not more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more value than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Now, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will uh, will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is talking to his audience here now, later on in chapter 7, they're being reminded of what Jesus had already told them in the past. It's all about God's kingdom, and God already knows what you need even before you ask. And since he provides for these lilies, since he provides for these birds, how do you think he's going to take care of you? Are you not more valuable than they are? course you are. God's going to do the same for you. But here's the thing about asking, and we're reminded of this um, in chapter 6, when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, taught us how to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. My kingdom come, my will be done. No, it says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. We have to make our requests, our petitions to God. That God's will, that his kingdom come. We have to submit our requests and be obedient and being submissive to what God desires. Rather than just what we desire or what we think we want. We have to align our requests to God's will. Remember, God is a good God. We just learned that about the lilies. We learned that about the fields. We learned that even people who are evil will give their son what they need, the bread and the fish. And since God is this way as well, we can expect to receive good things from him as well. And a good God is not going to withhold what we need. So make Your petitions, ask, seek, knock. God is going to take care of you regardless whether or not you receive what it is you think you want or what you think you need. God knows what you need even before you ask. Remember, this is all about God's kingdom. And God's kingdom will always come first. We have to be willing to submit to God in all things because his kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. We align our will, our ways, always. Did anybody start singing that in their head? Who raise your hand if you thought of that? Okay, guilty. As I was writing that, I was like, hey, wait, that's a song. But as we seek God in faith, we're reminded by James in chapter. 1. How we ought to pray. In verse 5 through 8, he says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And if you earnestly seek God, he will reveal himself to you. Knock, don't be afraid that you're going to inconvenience God. I think we do this all the time. We get afraid to ask because we think he might say no. When I was having to cart my daughter Haven around for her fundraiser, she would be like, Dad, I don't know if I want to go and ask. What if they say no? No. What if, what if they don't want to buy anything? I don't, I don't think I want to go to them. And, and she, she got all nervous about it. And I was like, Haven, hey don't say no for other people. Let them say no. If they don't want to buy your stuff, they'll just tell you no. It's fine. She's like, well, what if they say they don't like it or say I'm not good enough? I don't think I could handle that kind of a rejection. No, that was from Back to the Future. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Who, who, who remembered that one? What if they say I'm no good? Get out of here. Kid. All right. Anyway. But God knows what you need already. But God loves to hear from us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants to know our heart. He knows our heart. But it's different when your own kid comes to you and begins to express themselves to you. You feel closer. There's a connection that's made. And that's how God receives us. It's like his adopted children. We are his children. So Jesus concludes that saying we have to treat others the way we want to be treated. Just like if someone asks us for some bread, we don't give them a stone. If someone asks us for fish, we don't give them a snake. We want to treat others the way we also want to be treated. And this is summed up in the law of the prophets. Now, if we weren't already convicted already, Jesus just lays it out in verse 13 through 14. He says, "Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it." This is a sobering message and reminder about salvation. But he also reminds us of our motives. I'm sure some of you have heard this quote before, but the road to hell has been paved with good intentions. Anybody ever heard that one before? No? Okay. Well, now you have. Good. Four of you that were brave enough to raise your hands. Well, intentions and actions are two different things. I can intend to do something right and then not do it. And I can intend to do wrong and then do right. I could also intend to do right and actually do right. And I can intend to do wrong and do wrong. But Jesus is talking about motive and he wants to remind us that there are only two roads. Since you know God is a a good God, choose obedience, choose life. Choose to treat others the way you would want to be treated as well. Because obedience leads to life, but disobedience leads to death. When I was in high school, um, I had the opportunity in Boy Scouts to go to uh, Philmont Scout Reservation a few times. And when I was entering my freshman year of high school, uh, my patrol or group of people uh, in my Boy Scout troop We got to go down to New Mexico, and we took a 10-day, 97-mile backpacking trip to the northern Rockies of New Mexico. And it was amazing. Oh, and by the way, ever since joining the Army, I hate backpacking. It is no longer fun at all. Neither is camping. But there we were. We were using our map and compass to navigate our way through the many trails of the Hundred thousand plus acreage, uh, square mile or square feet—I don't know what it was. It was massive. It was huge. And sometimes along our trails, we could choose—you know—choose your own adventure. Do we want to take this trail to get to our next destination? We want to take this trail. And sometimes it brought us upon improved roads. These were packed dirt roads. Some had gravel in it, and they were used for trucks to get uh, staff members or uh, rangers out into uh, the deep forest. The benefit was that you knew that if you got lost, someone was gonna be along that road to find you. But the disadvantage was that there were not a lot of trees nearby and it was hot out. It didn't leave much shade. Dave Odell number two. So. That was only two, and I said there was only going to be two. That's it. So i got to figure out what I'm going to do second service now. But we could have stayed on those roads, and it would have been pretty easy. But we chose to go on the smaller trails because it left a lot more. It was, it was prettier, and it provided us shade because it was very hot out. Well, we ventured higher and higher into the mountains, and it was truly amazing. On the fourth day of our trek, uh, we got a day off. It was great. We could just choose to lounge out, play cards, you know, or just not do anything, rest, recover, you know, soak our feet, because we had been hiking for a lot of miles. But there was a peak uh, not too far by about seven miles there and back and to the height of it was 12,441 feet. And it was about a five or 6,000 foot elevation from where we currently were to the top of this mountain peak. We got up early in the morning. We started to the top and right before we got to the final ascent, there was a plateau, um, like a mesa. And we got there and there it was. We just looked up and it was massive. There was a trail that you could barely see. And it was a 10 to 15 to 30% incline over broken rock from dynamite explosions when people were looking for gold. And so you're walking up loose rock at this ridiculous uh, grade. And as we started going up, it was maybe a quarter of the way up. I was running out of breath. I was hot. My legs were shot. And my dad, you know, turned around. He's like, you know, you can keep going. You can make it. And people in my uh, Boy Scout troop kept going, and I was watching them. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to, I got to make it, got to make it, got to no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. But I finally made it to the top, and it was exhausting. But as soon as you got up there, you could just see over everything. You could see other mountain peaks way off in the distance. You were above the clouds. It was amazing. It was really windy. But it was amazing to see where I had been to where I was now. And as I think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount talking about the road, I think of, man, that was a hard road, but it was well worth the journey. It's not always the easiest road, but it is a good road. And Jesus is talking to his audience, and he's saying, look, there's only two roads. You can be on the easy road, And and believe me, there's a lot of people on that road and it's very wide and there's a gate and it's wide as well, but it's gonna lead to destruction. But you wanna be on the narrow road that leads through the narrow gate. You wanna know for sure that you're on that right road. So I'm gonna close with the words of Billy Graham in a sermon that he did some while ago. He said, many people will say that you ought to be broad-minded about this. They want to say, it's too narrow-minded to have all these rules and regulations and discipline. Well, suppose a mathematician says, let's approach mathematics broad-mindedly. You know, uh, let's say 2 plus 2 equals 4, but that's, that's too narrow-minded. Let's say it equals 4.5 or, or 5, no, of course, because uh, let's have some flexibility. Of course, these are only mathematical formulas. Or let's say a chemist decides, yeah, we're a little too broad-minded here. Let's, uh, let's be more broad-minded. Let's just add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Let's see what comes up. He could explode the whole university. You see, a chemist is narrow-minded a mathematician is narrow-minded there are rules and regulations for math and chemists uh, chemistry and there is also a narrow gate to heaven jesus has outlined the road and the way and the method of getting to heaven and are you going to decide your own way how foolish i tell you if you're not on the narrow road you get on it before this day is over Go through that narrow gate at any cost. Be sure that you're on that narrow road that leads to eternal life. The moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, it doesn't mean that you complete your journey. It means that you start. It means that you're born anew. It means that you go through the gate, you get on the right road, and you start in the right direction. On this path, there's going to be problems and difficulties, it's going to be rough. It'll be crooked at times, but I'll always be leading upward, and God will always give you the strength and the grace and the power to live that life. And the moment that you enter through that narrow gate, when Jesus says, you will have eternal life, but here's the tragedy. Jesus says that only a few will find it today. You have an opportunity of being in that small minority who will enter through the narrow gate and receive eternal life. By faith, you can receive Him. You can come to the cross, find forgiveness of your sins, and find new life. What do you have to do? You have to be willing to renounce your sin. You can't drag all that sin and all those bad habits through the narrow gate, it's too narrow. You've got to be willing to leave them behind. I said willing. I didn't say you could do it. I said you have to be willing. And if you're willing, God will give you the strength to turn from your sins. And then by faith you receive Jesus Christ. It is by faith that you receive and that you commit your life to Christ. So give your life to Christ and it doesn't mean that you give up your career or your business. It means that you go back to your career. You go back to your business for the life of Christ that is now in you, unless it's something dishonest. Make the choice. Turn from the broad road to the narrow road today. So as we heard from the message of Billy Graham in his, uh, it was titled, Which Road Are You?, ask yourselves now, am I on the right road? Am I on the narrow road? Am I going to enter in through the narrow gate? If you don't know what road you're on and you want to be absolutely sure of what road you're on, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Just like the challenge of Billy Graham, he says, don't leave here today without deciding what road you're going to be on. So I'm going to pray And I'm going to join all of us to pray together. And for those of you who are not sure what road you're on, or if you want to be on that right road that leads to life and not to the road that leads to destruction, you can pray along with me. And if this is your prayer, I want to know about it. But let's pray. Let's go to God. God, we recognize that we fall short of your glory day in and day out. We recognize that we have sometimes been living our lives the way that we want to without any concern for others or for you. God, we're selfish. We take advantage of people. We desire, um, we desire our will and our way. God, we do not submit to you But God, we recognize that this road that we've been walking on is going to lead to destruction if there isn't a change in our life. And God, I ask that now you convict the hearts of those who are praying right now, God, that they would receive you. Jesus, we pray and we ask you to help us to walk away from our sin, to renounce them, to to come to you with open arms saying, I can't do this on my own. God, I need a new life. God, we know that you are good and that you give good gifts to your children and that you will meet every single need. And I'm sorry for doubting you and I'm sorry that I've rejected you, but now I want to receive you into my life today. And I want to start that new journey on that narrow, through that narrow gate. God, to be on that narrow road that leads to life. So help me as I embark on this new journey. Amen. If this is you, we would love to be able to pray with you uh, after the service or during the week. Um, As people are leaving today, uh, we just invite you to come forward. Let us know that you made a decision or write it on your response card. We would love to be able to connect with you. That would have been the best decision you would have ever made in your life. And we want to celebrate with you. Let us continue in our worship this morning.